1: Hi, welcome to the Josh Marshall Podcast. This is David Tanger. We are back for another convention recap. I'm joined again by Summer Concepcion and Kate Riga. How are you guys doing?
0: Good. A little tired, but hanging in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I know the fatigue starts to set in a little bit after... Uh, multiple nights in a row, staying up late. Um, So I appreciate you joining this morning. So last night, we had the official roll call nomination vote for Joe Biden, uh, officially becoming the Democratic nominee. Number of prominent speakers last night included uh, a couple former presidents. We had Bill Clinton and former President Jimmy Carter, along with his wife, uh, (laughs) Rosalind, yes, thank you. We had Chuck Schumer speak, um, and then I guess the highlight of the night really was the the roll call vote and uh, Jill Biden's keynote speech at the end. But anything I'm missing there, Kate or Summer, from the kind of big highlights of the night last night?
0: Well, there was the big package on health care that featured um, the activist uh, Addie Barkin and a lot of kind of first-person testimonials. But yeah, I think those were the the pretty main events.
1: That was a pretty, I thought that was a pretty powerful moment too, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, watching him kind of sit there basically while the you know the computer was reading his words which were pretty powerful but um that was a pretty affecting moment very so maybe we can start with the the road trip roll call vote (laughs) what did you what did you think of that how effective do you think it was in a in a kind of virtual setting as opposed to going around the stadium with each state and territory giving a quick kind of shout out in the convention hall oh i loved it
2: i absolutely loved it it just It was just so much less distressing than the usual chaos that happens during roll calls. And it's, I have to say, I feel like now that we're months into quarantine and obviously Zoom has become a huge way for all of us to communicate nowadays. um, I think, yeah, something that I realized from doing a, a lot of Zoom calls on a regular basis is it really forces a sense of intimacy in terms of paying attention close to you to what people have to say, since, I mean, only really one person should be talking at a time. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the format of the virtual roll call with all of these beautiful, the, the beautiful scenery that was featured in the background, honestly, like I found it very inspiring. Like I want to go on a road trip across the country, want it's safer to do so again. And it really highlights the diversity of our country that I think, at least I can speak for myself, have definitely taken for granted, especially in this tumultuous time.
1: Yeah, Kate, I know you wrote, a, you wrote up a piece last night kind of capturing uh, the moments. What were some of the, what were some of your favorites of the states and territories that got a chance to cast their votes for uh, their delegate votes last night?
0: I mean, I think part of the reason that it was so delightful is because each state, you know, kind of had some latitude of what to do with their seconds. But the difference from kind of the normal convention, you know, where delegates are drunk and they're wearing goofy hats and they're like shilling for their biggest exports and things like that is that this time, you know, it was much it was much more sedate, I thought much had much more of a parade of nations kind of feel. And then you had some states like, you know, Utah, which has been conducting their elections um, all by mail for a while now you know, taking that time to... Their delegate was, you know, holding a ballot and saying that this is reliable, fast, and easy, which is a pretty political statement to make in, what, the 15 seconds that they're given based on the climate right now. But then, you know, you also still have some tinges of the goofiness it used to be with um you know rhode island declaring itself the calamari comeback state so (laughs) i don't know i think that's part of the reason that it was so lovely as well you know is along with what some are saying you get kind of this this lovely visual of what our country looks like both you know in people and in landscape you also have each state getting you know a few seconds to kind of show their flair and show what makes them weird and different and then you know, moving it right along. It was just a lot less chaotic and more, um, I don't know, more easily appreciable than usual.
1: Yeah. Summer, I totally agree with you in that it was like inspiring and almost kind of made you feel patriotic, right? It reminds me a little bit of, I don't know if you uh, follow this Instagram account, the U.S. Interior Department has a great Instagram feed of photos from lots of different national parks and things like that. And it's kind of amazing to think yeah all of these beautiful um majestic even places are within the country and uh either a plane ride or a drive away or you know depending on where where you're at yeah but, you um, don't
2: need a passport
1: <laughs> right yeah it was fun to see like guam talk about how it's the first u.s territory to greet the new day uh, you know the first kind of part of part of america to greet the new day and to see the north mariana islands just to see all in you know puerto rico i think their delegate delivered the entire kind of roll call vote in Spanish, I believe, right? And just cool to see. in you know, the tribal tribal members mm-hmm. from South Dakota, North Dakota, things like that, um, really, like, yeah, it did show off the diversity. And so I think maybe that's one example where the virtual mm-hmm. convention actually is maybe a better format than just having everyone packed into a convention hall.
0: Yeah, and I think also not least because it's been, like, kind of hard to be proud of the United States recently based on our – handling of COVID and, you know, a lot of the antics of the administration. And this was just a little, I don't know, a little showcase to be like, you know what, some parts of America are are still quite good and you do get to enjoy them.
1: There was a little bit of drama last night. I'm wondering if you guys could explain this to me a little bit around the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speech um, and whether she did or did not endorse Biden or didn't give him enough kudos. Tell me about that. You know, if listeners or, you know, haven't, kind of caught up on that fully. What was the deal there?
0: Well, mostly it's a dumb fake scandal because NBC put out a poorly written headline, but Bernie Sanders nomination was, you know, expected. It's not like AOC went off the rails and decided to endorse him instead. You know, it's part of the procedural, uh, you know, goings on that his name is also entered into the nomination, like as we saw during the roll call, almost every state cast some of their votes for Bernie Sanders. You know, that's just how it works. And part of it is you need someone to nominate him, someone to second it. Um, And AOC was asked because of her, you know, progressive bona fides. So yeah, there's no meat at all to that scandal. She did what she was supposed to do. Um, And to some degree, I think this is just a side effect of everything AOC does must make news or must be turned into a a scandal in some way. And this is just the current dumbest incarnation of that.
2: Yeah, I also want to add that she has publicly stated that she will indeed cast a vote for Biden in the (laughs) November election. She has reiterated that. I think she even reiterated that last night, actually. After yep. um, backlash ensued over that very very fake scandal, <laughs> like Kate was saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's turn to uh, Jill Biden's keynote speech. She was the headliner. She delivered her speech in a elementary school in Delaware. Um, I guess her old classroom, mm-hmm. maybe is that right? So, right. what did you what did you make of her speech and and her message last night?
0: Um, I thought the speaking from the empty classroom was pretty wise from a PR standpoint. Um, you know, because obviously pretty much every parent of young children right now has no idea what the fall is going to look like. So I think that was um, a good choice. And I don't know, I thought that I found the the lead-in to be very moving to kind of give us a rundown of, you know, Biden's kind of tragic history, which we know a lot about. But, you know, it's kind of new to hear about Jill's part in that. Um, And I thought the way they segued in from the she- she brought us back together. She repaired this broken family after uh, a car crash killed Joe's husband and child, and then segueing that into, and that's how we're going to fix a broken America, you know, with love and understanding. That very much worked for me.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I
2: fully agree with Kate's assessment. Um, I just, what really stood out to me in Jill's segment and her closing speech was that it, I think it's, she really just touched on the overarching theme of the DNC so far, which is, well, Joe Biden's human. The Bidens in general are human. They have empathy. They have faced a tremendous amount of grief. Um, and they can empathize with the amount of loss that we're all experiencing in the COVID pandemic. Um, Yeah, because that just really, I think so far in these past two days, that's what's really stood out to me in terms of the overall messaging of the DNC. And I agree, too, that even Jill Biden delivering her speech from a classroom that she taught in, it, yeah, like, in a way, it's, like, a subtle way of expressing – she understands the concerns with reopening schools and Trump's obviously urgency to do so. And she fully understands the concerns that parents are having. And I think that speaks to so many people throughout the country.
1: Right. Yeah, I thought the um in the in the video montage that led up to Jill Biden's speech when Joe Biden was saying we had a mommy and a mom and, mm. you know, mommy died. And then Jill is the, you know, mom to the boys now, basically. I thought that was sweet and um, yeah. just kind of yeah, captured the, a human moment for sure. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap things up with uh, a little bit of a, I don't know, a new segment or uh, roundtable kind of thing. Uh, roses and thorns from last mm-hmm. night. So, uh, Summer and Kate, what were the kind of highlights for you and what was something that you felt was maybe a miss or didn't quite land?
0: Um, so... The highlight for me, uh, alongside the roll call, which I think I loved, everyone loved, but a moment I really liked was um, when Jacqueline Brittany, who was the elevator operator for Biden when he was going to meet with the New York Times um, editorial board when they were vetting for who they were going to endorse, um, she had a viral moment then where the cameras kind of caught her blurting out, "You, know, I love you to Biden when she got on, um, and it kind of set up this microcosm of the dichotomy that was already happening where, you know, the times didn't endorse Biden and that kind of became a stand in for the, the blue check, you know, Twitter media elite didn't like Biden, didn't understand his appeal. Whereas the more came normal, quote, unquote, like just kind of less online, less plugged in Americans seemed to have really liked him. And, you know, and that's how we saw things play out, but that became that moment where the, Uh, editorial board didn't care about him, but you know, your working class elevator operator loves him. Um, and then she was the first one to enter his name into the nomination, um, at the convention. And I thought she was, yeah, I thought she did like a extremely good job for a very high pressure speaking gig. But I just think that story is really good. I, I really like that they used her for this part. Um, and I think it was also a very savvy way to kind of wrap in that part of Joe's appeal and that kind of like, see, we told you, normal Americans do like Joe, even if Twitter doesn't kind of thing. Um, so that was a highlight for me. And then probably my least favorite bit, um, I put this in the blog and we were kind of talking about it just now offline, but um, the the format of the speeches, you know, I think is better for some than for others, the absence of the crowd. um, And as I wrote last night, you know, for someone like Michelle Obama, who's good at intimate person-to-person speeches, it worked very well. But, you know, for someone um, like Bill Clinton, who's kind of famous for feeding off the audience and playing with them and kind of being folksy and jokey and long-winded, you know, the video address just doesn't suit those talents. I think his address was, like, perfectly fine, you know, but it isn't... an area where the virtual convention doesn't work as well for everyone. And I think he's one of the speakers whose performance suffered because of that.
1: Yeah, I would like to your detail from your college days when one of his <laughs> speechwriters came and kind of shared a little bit of behind the scenes. Yeah, uh, the tips
0: and tricks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Summer, what about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, hands down, my favorite was the virtual roll call. Uh, mm-hmm. stood to, yeah, it stands in great contrast to... Um, yeah, the usual chaos that surrounds conventions when the delegates are called. Um, I, cause I I have to say, like, I feel like I could not even fully pay attention to that roll call back in 2016, even when I was just right outside the arena, it was just too (laughs) distressing. And there's honestly, it's just usually conventions are so, there's just so many more distractions that you can't pay attention to every little thing. Um, especially if you're covering something else at the time. So this was, I think I, this pretty much tuts on what I said earlier. I mean that kind of Zoom or pre-recorded format. Um, yeah, just it, it calls. I mean it forces you to pay attention and to appreciate what our country, how diverse our country is. Um, I do have to say, I think one moment that stuck out to me was the montage. I was narrated by Cindy McCain. Um, and how she was talking about how John McCain formed that unlikely friendship uh, with Biden. And I just felt like my takeaway from that, it, it was a more, I guess, graceful kind of way uh, to give a middle finger to Trump and you know, his very, very, very disrespectful kind of way of speaking about John McCain even after his death. So that's a moment that stuck out to me. Um, and I think what Kate was talking about in terms of, I guess, thorns, uh, yeah, just, there are just some speakers who like Bill Clinton, they just don't shine <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in a Zoom call kind of speech. It's just, I, I think that's just one thing that cannot be replicated in a virtual convention uh, whether that's for better or for worse um, and then yeah I mean there's just it it's kind of awkward in that sense for some speakers who are just known for feeding off the crowd but overall I mean I think and I think I think I feel the same way as I as I was recapping just yesterday um, this is actually going better than I thought it would um, it's different energy from when conventions were still held in person, but I don't think it's necessarily a disaster or anything like that. I mean, there are definitely pros and cons, and I actually hope that the virtual roll call will continue in future conventions.
1: Yeah, I just to uh, close the loop, I guess, my my highlight, I think, was maybe the Addie Bryant uh, appearance, just because the words were very powerful. You know, he's the longtime progressive activist who has ALS and is Wheelchair bound and and can't speak without the computer assisted uh you know program, but I just thought you know the eye contact he made and your your you know you're watching him kind of sit there while this you know delivering the speech. I just thought was kind of a powerful and poignant moment and just the need for you know healthcare reform and and all that. So it, to avoid kind of piggybacking off the virtual roll call, I guess that's I'll say that is my highlight and maybe something that didn't quite land as well for me. I thought was just a kind of awkward celebration after the official nomination of Biden, where he and Jill were standing, I guess in front of some of their family and, um, you know, it's it's supposed to be the big balloon drop moment, right? Or kind of the big, you know, the culmination in a way. And it just doesn't quite come across as well on TV, I guess. And then they were sort of slowly putting on their masks after not having the masks on. And so, um, I don't know, it's just one of the, you know, it's just a consequence of the times, I guess, But, um, but yeah. Um, all right, I think that wraps things up. Uh, as always, the Josh Marshall podcast is sponsored by Grady's Cold Brew. We love it, we drink it. I have some on my desk right now, which you can't see. But um, you can get twenty percent off your first order with the promo code TPM uh, by going to Grady'sColdBrew.com. All right, Kate and Summer, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. All
2: right, see you tomorrow.
1: Thank you. Bye.